All right, let's let's go ahead and stay standing since we're already here. Open your Bibles if you could, please. Second Corinthians chapter six. I'm so thankful that all of you have arrived for today. Thank you for, uh, even though people are like, should we return? Should we not return? Thank you for not taking a vacation from the house of God. Second Corinthians chapter six. And I want to preach to you maybe what may not be a very familiar text from a somewhat familiar chapter. To be honest with you, I'm not really sure if I'm quite qualified enough to preach from this passage. Um, I don't think I've experienced as much. Your pastor and, and my father, my pastor, he, I think they both took, they took the pastor around the same point in time. Uh, around 17 years ago or so, but they say the average pastor doesn't stay in ministry longer than seven years, and I'll talk more about that in a bit in the message. The average staff member doesn't last longer than two to three years, so uh, I'm, I'm about six years past my expiration date. You know, hopefully I'm not too sour about it, but you know, this this is an interesting passage, and I hope that you'll stay with me, and I hope you'll give good attention. Both of you look like a lot of you look like you're awake, you had your cup of coffee, some of us had our donuts, so we're, we're juiced and ready to go. Breakfast of champions, amen. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verses 11 through 13, we're going to read it out loud. I know that in some churches, they, they want you to just be quiet, fold your hands, fall asleep during the liturgy, whatever that means in, in Latin or Greek. But this is a Baptist church. And because this is a Baptist church, we're going to use our voices out loud from your King James Version Bible to read verses 11 through 13. Of Second Corinthians chapter six, one, two, verse eleven. O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. You are not straightened in us, but you are straightened in your own bowels. Now, for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children: Be ye also enlarged. The title of my message this morning is the small-hearted Christian. The small-hearted Christian. How big is your heart this morning? Father, I thank you for Pastor Haynes and the work of God that you have done in his heart for the Shadow Mountain Baptist Church. And I thank you, Lord God, that you gave this church as a gift to this community of the South San Jose and San Joaquin County areas to be light and salt in a dark and corrupt world, to be love in a hateful world, to be righteousness in a wicked world, Lord, I hope that I can at least do this passage half the justice it deserves. I really do mean that with my heart. I pray that you would pour out your Spirit upon this congregation. Lord, may we move with you. I think too often, Lord, we show up and expect you to follow. No, Lord, we need to show up where you're at and humble ourselves where you're at, Lord. And I pray that in all things that will be done and said this morning, that you would be glorified and this church body would be edified. For any person that is not saved, that went through the motions, that is trusting in their own works or their feelings, that they would humble themselves and repent and call upon the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning and know the eternal life that you give to every person. And for every Christian who's struggling about the size of their heart, whether or not they realize they're even struggling, May you enlarge their hearts this morning, Lord. We surrender ourselves unto you. We ask that you possess us and take full control of this congregation and the message this morning. This we ask of you in the precious name of Jesus, our God and our Savior. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for your attention. I want to talk to you about a medical condition, even though I'm not a doctor. It's called cardiomegaly. Cardiomegaly, cardio, heart, megaly, large, is a sign of another condition, an enlarged heart, such as a heart valve problem or a heart disease. It may also signal a prior heart attack. It can also occur from bodily stress caused by pregnancy or certain infections. Symptoms, if any, may include shortness of breath and swelling, edema. I think we learned a little bit about that this past year, first with COVID-19, and then I can't breathe, and then with the wildfires. The underlying condition needs treatment. This may include medications, medical procedures, or surgery, In rare cases, according to the Mayo Clinic, it's a physical ailment. But a large heart is as healthy as you can get, spiritually speaking. It lets everyone know that you're still human, 
and still feel compassion for people in a heartless world. It lets everyone know that you still act upon those feelings for people and you do good for people even when they cannot pay you back. I want to speak to you today about a church planter who has as lo- who had as large a heart as anyone in this world have. Honey, could I have that water, uh, that, that analogy bottle? And by the way, this is my wife Jennifer. Totally forgot to introduce her this morning. Isn't she beautiful? Thank you very much. Paul had personally, pra- had personally planted uh, the Corinthian church in Acts chapter 18. Sometimes you, you, you read your Bible and you're like, what's the book of Acts all about? It's about soul winning. It's about the Holy Spirit moving. It's about church planting. It's about preachers being called. I believe that there are some preachers that there, that there are men in this ministry God has called you to preach and all you need to do is surrender. But like me, you fought that surrender for many years. God's calling you to step out. But you're wondering, what am I going to do? How am I going to make money? God will take care of that. We're not living under a bridge, okay? Trust me. But I'm not rolling in a Ferrari like the way every, everybody thinks that preachers, you know, live like Joel Osteen and that, you know, we, we roll around in Ferraris, we take baths and champagne, okay, whatever. But I guarantee you, God has not left this desolate. He hasn't left this church desolate. There's about, a, what, it looks like 80 people in here. and This is post-COVID. Come on. The church in Corinth had a fairly good start. They even had great pastors like Apollos and Timothy and Paul and Titus. But they had sin issues. And they needed more understanding regarding doctrine and ministry philosophy. It doesn't matter whether you've been saved for 30 days or 30 years. We are never as strong in our doctrine like the way we should be. We're always getting reinforced in it. Because every generation that we're in, beloved, there's always a new attack on old doctrine. By the time we get to 2 Corinthians, not all the problems have been solved. That's the reason why there's a 2 Corinthians written. And the church is now following false teachers. By the way, a false teacher is not just someone who has false doctrine. A false teacher is someone who has a false lifestyle. Divisive personalities. They're slandering Paul. By the way, your pastor's been here since 2004. I believe there's been at least a few people who slandered your pastor. I hope that you'll love him and stay close to him during this time, even though he's on vacation. Sometimes pastors go on vacation, actually a lot of times, pastors go on vacation and the members think, well, maybe we can just take a break. Okay, take a Sabbath, but don't take a break from loving God. Don't take a break, beloved, from your Bible reading and your prayer. Me and my wife, we just got back from vacation, but I tell you what, we were in the Bible every single day. We were in prayer every single day. Yeah, you may take a Sabbath from your work, but don't take a Sabbath from your family. Don't take a Sabbath from loving God and doing what, what, what He wants you to do. Second Peter chapter 2, verses 1-3, through three, below, if you, if, I don't know if the, do you have the, the, the slides and those verses there, that talks about the types of false prophets. False prophets among the people. There should be false teachers among you. The Bible says they have pernicious ways. By reason of whom the way of truth shall be even spoken of. The word pernicious means destructive. The longer you hang around a false teacher, it's going to destroy your family. It's going to destroy your relationships with people. Nobody ever hangs around a false teacher without losing good friends in the process. That's the reason why you need to be careful about what you're reading on the internet. Or which Twitter pastor you're following, or which Facebook pastor or blog pastor you're following. If, if they're not Baptists, I wouldn't follow them if I were you, just to keep you safe. You say, well, our camp isn't faultless either. I get that, okay? But at least we're not out here to take advantage of you. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 3, Through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. They are covetous. First mark of a false teacher, they're destructive. Second mark of a false teacher, they're covetous. Did you know that covetousness is the type of idolatry that is not being preached in our Baptist churches today? Oh, we'll go to town about Buddha. We'll go to town about Muhammad. We'll go to town about Mary. But I want to talk to you about an idol that no one's preaching against today, and it's the idol of covetousness. Jeremiah said that everyone is given to covetousness, from the priest and to the prophet. By the way, for any of you that follow these two, Stephen Furtick and Judah Smith and these other prosperity theologians or whichever, whoever's in the, in, in the Christian marketplace, they're, they're, they're covetous. You say, well, Brother Justin, we've got to be wise about our finances. I'm not against wisdom. Okay, Proverbs is full of it. You say, Brother Justin, where is that line between, between covetousness and being wise in your finances? I'll tell you when. When you can't read your Bible, pray when souls are coming to church without thinking about that next deal during your worship of God. 
I've seen people during church, they sit, they dig out their iPad or whatever tablet they've got, and they're checking Zillow and Truly during the preaching. Now, I get it. The housing market out here is hot. I mean, good night. You know, one point, however many million, five bedrooms, four baths, sitting on, you know, half, half an acre. Good night. Who wouldn't want to live in Morgan Hill in this area, okay? But I tell you what, someday it's going to burn. People in Paradise, California realized that two years ago. People with all the wildfires last year, I mean, we couldn't breathe for three months. Good night, folks. It's not going to last. Now, make your investments, okay? Rent it out to people. Do whatever. But don't be covetous. I'll tell you when you're covetous, when it pains us to tithe and give our building and missions offerings because we're worried about how's it going to affect the budget. I'll tell you what. You give for God, you'll, 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 you'll live for God. He, he'll make sure you're not living under a bridge. Trust me on that. I've never seen anyone who is tithing and giving offerings who is ever starving or living under a bridge. Read that from Psalm chapter 37 next time, because a lot of us like to read the Psalms. Read Psalm chapter 37 and just talk about the, the provision of God for a minute. They're destructive, they're covetous, but might I remind you also that false teachers are disrespectful. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 12 with 13, the Bible says that they speak evil of the things that they understand not. I'm very disappointed by these ex-Baptists. People that used to stand with fundamental Baptists like us. They have now left the fundamental Baptists and they're mocking the fundamental Baptists with whom they once stood. Now you get it, our camp isn't faultless. There's no church perfect because there are no people perfect. I'm not perfect, my wife can attest to that. Okay, Ha ha. But there used to be a day, beloved, when you disagreed with someone, especially if you loved them. You handled your differences in private and didn't try to create new camps all the time. That's the reason why Matthew chapter 18 says, you got a problem with somebody in this church, see them face to face. And then if they won't listen to you, then take another brother, a spiritual brother or sister with you, and then handle your differences. And finally, worst case scenario, hopefully it never comes to this. If they will not hear the group, then you got to take it to a church discipline issue. But these days, people are bragging about all the fights they're having on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're just, just mudslinging. It's just, it's just awful. I thought that when we were Christian, we didn't have to write open letters all the time. I mean, the last time I read about an open letter, it was from one of the enemies of Nehemiah. Oh, no, I can't come down to Ono, for those of you who know, who know the book of Nehemiah. The modern church camp likes to pride themselves on being loving and balanced, but I don't know how you're supposed to have love and balance if you speak evil of things of people that are not true, especially if they mentored you in the Word and in the ministry. Don't bite the hand that feeds you, beloved, but at the same time, you know, don't feed the mouth that bites you either. I mean, that's, that's protection against the gossipers that are in this church. And I hope that by the time that this service is over, it'll make the gossipers fear just a little bit more. The Bible says also of these false teachers in St. Peter chapter 2, verse 14, having eyes full of adultery. Okay? Another mark of these false teachers, they're living in sexual sin. They're fornicators. Okay? Hillsong Church is an example of that. Okay? Jerry Falwell Jr. was an example of that. But, you know, it's, it's sad that in these churches, in these modern churches, it's a revolving door that if a man gets disqualified for the list of things that are written here in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 or 1 Timothy chapter 3 or Titus chapter 1, these churches put him right back in ministry. Now, I believe God can use divorced people. I believe that with all my heart. There, there are two ladies in one of my higher ground in, in, in our classes here. They've reached dozens of their friends and family members. Dozens of their friends and family members in the Philippines got saved just by the live stream alone. Okay? Half of them, I swear that 80% of one of our ministries in our church is divorced people. And dozens of their friends and family members have gotten saved. Don't get me wrong about that, okay? But I believe that divorced men should not be pastoring a church. We have to do things with ethics. the, The reason why God has blessed your pastor is because he's chosen to do things ethically and according to this book for the past 17, 18 years. And it's not easy. You're going to lose a couple friends. Oh, well, why does pastor have to do things so strictly? I'll tell you why. Because he loves you, he wants to protect you, and he wants to protect this church and do things by the book. The Corinthian church is following these types of false teachers, fornicators, disrespectful, covetous, 
just, just absolutely dishonest in the way they did things. And they were diminishing their involvement in the Lord because they gave their hearts and their ears to the false teachers who were just so slightly swaying them. Well, hey, what happened to Brother Justin? Well, he didn't make it today because he's going to hang out. They're going to go fishing today, uh, you know, and they're just going to hang out all day. And, you know, he started skipping on his ministry, started skipping out on church services. That's how false teachers buy your affection. They take you out of, they, they take you out of, hey, they, they take you down the path of least resistance. Look at Weeds are easy to grow, but no one ever said that they were fruitful or looked good. Weeds don't bring forth fruit. They bring forth the wrong kind of fruit. 2 Corinthians is one of Paul's most personal epistles written in general to a church. He personally planted that church and to feel the pain of watching them drift from what they used to be. Because these false teachers are going to say, hey, live however you want, man. You have liberty in God. Just be covetous. The Lord wants you to have it. The world's your oyster. Okay? But if the world's your oyster, you're a pearl, you're going to irritate a bunch of people on your way out. Be disrespectful. Don't get mad. Get even. Okay? Oh, sexual sin, God will forgive you. Just do it like, you know, like, you know, a, a confessional booth. I mean, that's that's really the way they, they handle sin. I mean, look at repentance is not just saying sorry, it's about forsaking your sin and putting safeguards in place so you don't go back into it. I mean, you're never going to beat your alcohol addiction if you keep going to the liquor store for a bottle of Coke every day, man, if, you, if, if that's your vice. Paul's heart bled when he thought about that church because he remembered how much he loved. Look, at the longer that people are in a church, the more we feel that we're entitled to do our own thing. Well, that's my seat. Hey, I'm a, I'm a seat Calvinist. I saved that seat. Once it's saved, it's always, you know, it's predestined from the very beginning, you know. You know, eternal security for your seat, whatever, okay. And, and people start getting comfortable and start forming their own friendships and groups at the exclusion of other people in the church. And some of these groups get real power hungry. They get really vocal and start deviating from the overall mission of the church. God raised up Shadow Mountain Baptist Church. Every single of the 80 to 90 people that are here in this church this morning to be salt and light in a dark and corrupt world. Don't forget that. He raised you up to be love in a hateful world. He raised you up to be truth in a world full of liars. By the way, I don't know how fact checkers can exist on CNN in a postmodern, post-truth age. Fact checkers, but there's nothing really true, right? I mean, you can be whatever you want. I mean, if I identify as an attack helicopter, will anyone stop me? Now, I hope that some of that really is struggling with that. I hope that you'll get some counsel, you know, and I hope that that, that you'll realize what, what God made you to be, okay? But look at the longer that we are in a church the easier it is for us to deviate from the original mission. Love God with all your heart, soul, and might. Love your neighbor as yourself. And oh, the perfect commandment. Everyone's going to love this one. Love your enemy as yourself. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who curse you and despitefully use you. No one wants to do the perfect commandment. So Paul addresses the church here in verses 3 through 10. A bunch of requirements here. I want us to read that out loud, if you could, from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3. Go ahead. It's okay to talk in church as long as you're reading the scripture, okay? <laughs> Giving no offense in anything. Let's read it together. Out loud. That the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, and imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watches, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love and fame, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. That's the requirement for leaders that Paul wants to put on this church. Well, Brother Justin, you don't understand. I'm not a leader, so why should I care? Well, you should care about excellence. That's what leadership is. Leadership is excellence. I believe that if you're honest with all your heart, beloved, I don't think you came to church, yeah, you know, I just kind of want to be a Laodicean Christian, the type of Christian that the Lord Jesus will spew out of his mouth. Yeah, I just kind of want to be, you know, a Pergamos, Thyatira kind of Christian where the Lord will have a few things against me and I, I don't know if they ever got it. I don't think anybody came to church with that kind of mindset this morning. Now, you may be looking at this list, you're like, Brother Justin, that is a huge list. Yeah, but nobody ever said that it would come overnight. Raised in church all my life, but I didn't get saved until I was age seven. That's seven years. 
didn't get baptized until I was age 10, after I heard about baptism at a big church conference. Lived in absolute sin until I was in 17, until I was age 17, until I finally learned to surrender. Didn't surrender to be a preacher until age 20. Didn't learn how to fast until I was age 30. I'm 33 now. I mean, that's 33 years worth of development. Now, now don't now I hope that, that you don't wait as long as I did. But there's something that God wants to do in your heart because He loves you that much. You can't tell me that you love God and that, and that at the same time accept spiritual mediocrity. And the two are diametrically opposed. It can't exist. Because who, love is not just a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's wanting the best for someone else. That's why you parents discipline their children, whether they're 5 or 25, because you want the best for them. And you don't tell them no because you hate them. No, you tell them no, you can't do that. No, you can't wear that outside the house. No, you can't hang out with those friends. No, you can't smoke that because you hate them. You're trying to spoil their fun. No, you tell them that because you don't want them to kill themselves. And you don't want them to ruin half their life because they decided to go out and get pregnant at age 14 and and, and be hundreds of thousands of dollars behind because they decided to hang out with the wrong friends. Usually we assume that someone's alright just because they wear a suit and tie and show up and bring a Bible, whatever like that. But knowledge is just one of those requirements that's seen here in this passage. I mean, we read verses like verse 5. I mean, how many of you have ever gotten beaten up for preaching the gospel? Now, don't make yourself nasty like some of these wrong street preachers. I believe in street preaching. Don't get me wrong, okay? Uh, Preach the gospel whether... You're on the street or whether you're in the church. But some of these street preachers, man, they just hate people all the way they go. And it's time for us to start looking the way we go. I mean, being out street preaching, we've had the police calling us. We didn't, we weren't the Westboro type of people. Get, don't get me wrong about that, okay? But when was the last time any of us caused a riot? I mean, the Bible says here, in tumults, a tumult is a riot. Everywhere Paul preached, there was either a riot or revival. There was either revolution or regeneration. I mean, look at... The, 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 you, you can't have a true gospel preached and preach against sin without someone having some kind of violent reaction to it. Now, the violent reaction may take place later where they just, at the church service, whew, I'm glad he's done. Now, let me just go back to my HBO and pornography. I mean, that, that may be their violent reaction. I mean, that, that's a vote already, okay? But look at you never, God's word never returns void. Isaiah chapter 8, it's going to accomplish something. Whomever the gospel does not redeem for who they could be, it simply reveals for what they are. Think about that for a minute. Whomever the gospel does not redeem to be something better, it reveals them for what they continually will be, unfortunately. God will have his way one way or the other. And unfortunately, some people, a lot of people let their opportunities slip. Well, Brother Justin, I mean, there's a lot of risk here. Yeah, but it's a good risk. I mean, fasting. Good night. Seven days without food is not going to kill you here in the West, unless you're diabetic. Here in the West, it's, it's, it's an inconvenience. And by the way, fasting is not a diet. A diet is what you do for health reasons. A fast is what you do for spiritual reasons. A lot of people, well, why fast? And I lost 30 pounds. Well, if, if you did it to lose 30 pounds, you didn't go on a fast. You went on a diet. Now, I'm not against dieting. Don't get me wrong. I mean, me and my wife had a diet at McDonald's before we came here, okay? But... A fast is when you're doing it because you need God to get a hold of you. It's not just you, well, God, hear my prayers. No, God, need, no, no it's, it, it's, it's God getting a hold of you. Did you get a hold of God? It's God getting a hold of you. Does God own you? That's what fasting is. By pureness, by knowledge, by longsuffering, by, I mean, holiness. Good night. I know that holiness is not popular with the modern church, and a lot of us are just, oh, come on, here he goes again about you know, the different things that independent fundamental Baptists go off of, you know, standards and modesty. But, but look at Holiness is the key, is, is the first attribute of God, beloved. Holy, holy, holy. They're not crying out mercy, mercy, mercy. And don't get me wrong, I believe in mercy. The only reason why you and me are sitting here today in church is because of the mercies of God, because someone showed compassion to you and me. But holiness is still the, the primary attribute of God. Separation unto God. I mean, look at verse 8. Some of you, you're, 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 if any of you are school teachers, good night. I feel for you, man. Uh, by honor and dishonor. Well, those Christians, they're a bunch of hate mongers because they don't accept the LGBTQ critical race theory agenda. Since when did it ever become loving to, to, to just entirely say bad things about an entire group of race of people? I mean, I mean, look at Chinese history isn't faultless either. I don't see, I don't see the critical race theorists saying anything bad about Chinese history. 
about what the communists are doing because it's run by a bunch of communists. I mean, everybody wants to air out their own air out everybody else's sin about their, except their own. But that's just what's going to happen if you take a stand for Jesus Christ. Look at as deceivers and yet true. Verse eight. I believe that more than one person has accused your pastor of deceiving this church, even though he hasn't. Well, they're just getting a building project. He's trying to swindle the church out of all their money. No, no, no. He's trying to have you give so that this building can be full, so that this house can be full to be fed the word of God, so that this house can be full so that they can get fed the truth. There are some of you, you're hanging on to every word that pastor is saying every morning because you've got a trial bigger than what you can handle. A cancer that may be terminal, a family member that's wayward from the Lord, that breaks your heart. I don't know what's worse, to be dead or to, to have a family member that's wayward, that's away from the Lord and you wake up feeling dead every morning that, that they're away from the Lord. I really don't know what's worse. At least a family member that's with the Lord, you know where they're at. But a family member that's living in sin and away from God, you don't know where they're at. You don't know if they'll ever come back. You pray God that they do make at least one decision for Christ Jesus to get saved before they die. But look, at there, there are trials that are bigger than what you, can, you and I can bear, beloved. I mean, most Christians, verse 6, he talks about pureness and knowledge. We Christians are guilty of laughing at the world's jokes, watching the world's shows, having the world's fun, doing exactly what the world was. I wonder if the world doesn't come to the churches because we're exactly the same as they are and we have nothing to offer them. The whole reason why Yelp exists and Google reviews exist to give you and me a little bit of variety. And the whole reason why God put you in this community is to give them variety apart from the blandness and the disgustingness that the world is offering. People may be looking at this list here in verses 3 to 10. Oh man, that's too much. No, no, no. God's going to develop that in you. Maybe one at a time over the next 33 years. Who knows? But he wants to develop that in you. I hope that you don't resist against the Holy Ghost. He who hath begun a good work in you will continue it until the day of Christ. Do you know when the day of Christ is? It's Revelation chapter 19 at the end of the seven years. The seven years hasn't happened yet. We're still a pre-trib church. We still believe that the rapture, that the, that the, the tribulation is not going to happen until, until the rapture happens. Jesus Christ is still working on you. Therefore, don't resist when he's trying to develop in you all of these lists of characteristics here in verses 3 through 10. Because a lot of Christians, they have their own standard of what they feel is good or spiritual. Hey, you know, us four and no more, don't take me any further. No, God wants to take you further because you have no idea how many lives God wants you to touch uh, for, for today. By the way, Brother Scott, what time is service over? I mean, this is just the introduction. When I'm done. Oh man, that's not a good thing to say to a Baptist preacher. We'll be here till midnight. You know, we, Paul's saying here in this passage, we've held back nothing from you because our hearts are large. Paul's telling the Corinthian church, we have been willing to go through all these terrible things here, verses 3 through 10 for you, because our hearts are large. We've been willing to suffer all these things for you, Corinthian church, because our hearts are large. Your pastor has stayed here for 17 years because his heart's large for you, beloved. He's pleading with the Corinthian believers as I challenge you this day. Don't just come back to first love. Get a bigger heart. Don't just come back to first love. Get a bigger heart. We'll talk about that more. I'm getting way ahead of myself in my notes this morning. But look at, if you have the love of God in a small heart, yeah, it's still the love of God, but it's not, not as many people are going to feel it. Now, if you have the love of God in a bigger heart, a lot more people are going to feel it. This will satisfy Justin Fong and maybe a child. But I don't think it's going to satisfy the entire congregation here. Now, it's clean water, whether it's here or whether it's, whether it's in a smaller cup. But it's not going to satisfy as many people. And that's the reason why God wants you and me to get a bigger heart. Because God needs you to satisfy more people. To evangelize more people this morning. How big or how small is your heart? I mean, I'm not asking, did you serve this week? I mean, I'm glad you did. and I believe more people should. But I'm asking you. I'm saying this because service is merely the outflow of the size of our heart. Hey, you know, she loved much. That's why she gave much. Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 9, where that adulterous woman came in and poured out an entire bottle of eternity from Calvin Klein all over Jesus' feet and then wiped her hair with his feet. My wife loves me. I don't think she'd ever love me enough to pour out my entire bottle of blue by Nautica all over me and then wipe her hair with it. 
Because for you ladies, your hair costs too much for that. I mean, I mean, men, we got a haircut good now. We can do it ourselves for like 10 bucks. Who cares? But ladies, you get one haircut a year for like $300. For some of us guys, $300 is a box of ammo, you know, pre-COVID. By the way, you know, <laughs> whatever like that, okay? But, Brother Justin, you don't understand. COVID-19 limited what we could do. Maybe it limited the wrong things. Maybe it limited the things that, that we weren't supposed to be doing. So that our hearts could get bigger in other areas. We, we go through the mo- when you go through the motions, your heart gets small. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. COVID-19 pointed out how much iniquity was in us. And it showed that we needed to get things right with the Lord if the Lord was going to make our hearts bigger. Look at the good Samaritan wasn't good just because he was educated and knew his Bible per se. He was good because he had a good heart. I'm glad that this church kept her doors open during COVID-19 and was here to help people if they had mental breakdowns or to pray with people. But there were a lot of churches, they shut their doors because they feared a virus that 99% of people will overcome, and they feared the orders of a tyrant named Gavin Newsom more than they feared God, who could help people be delivered from the mental instability. Look at 600 people died by drug overdose in San Francisco alone during COVID-19, and 200 people died from COVID. Am I saying that COVID is a, is a problem? Is, is it a problem? I'm not saying that at all. I, you saw me. I, I wore my mask because you don't know if I ate bat soup or not. Just kidding. Okay. I'm not saying it isn't a problem. But what I'm saying is this. There are bigger priorities than what men, than what men and women put in place. It's the priorities that God puts in place. A bigger heart is what we're talking about. A small heart and a lack of vision go hand in hand. I can't explain this. I really don't know how. But when I was a teenager, I was living all kinds of sin. Burning myself on bad music and all wicked stuff on the internet and playing PC games and video games and thumb games. You shouldn't play that, okay? I, I, I sat where you young people sat. I know I'm 33. Oh, millennial. Oh, Gen Z, okay? Hey, boomer, you know? But I, I sat where you sat. And I've noticed that a lack of vision for your life goes hand in hand with a small heart. That when your heart's small, you don't think about, huh, what kind of destiny am I going to leave for other people? When your heart is small, you don't think about, huh, what kind of sin is going to be really fun? You don't think about the people that you're going to hurt on your way out. People with small hearts don't think about that kind of stuff. But I want to challenge you today, beloved, on how to get a bigger heart. Because I believe, honestly, with all my heart, that the Shadow Mountain Baptist Church, you people here, want a bigger heart. You just don't know how big God wants it to be. Number one, beloved, you're following notes. We have it on the slides here. Enlarge your heart by the right examples. Number one, enlarge your heart by the right examples. Verse 13, I speak unto you. Uh, verse 18. Now for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children. Okay. Be also enlarged. Prison will do one of two things to you. It'll either break you or it'll build you. You know, you realize, beloved, that the majority of Paul's books are written when Paul was in prison. And I'm not talking about like a Martha Stewart type of prison either, okay? <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't want to be in a Martha Stewart type of prison, okay? I mean, he, I mean, use the bathroom in your own corner. No toilet, okay? If you're lucky, they'll throw some bread at you, okay? Your only friends are the rats and the roaches, okay? But Paul is pleading with them. I'm making good time here. I'm writing epistles. Get a bigger heart. The Corinthian church members should have had large hearts because they knew Paul personally. Corinthian church, if you ever want me to pay, if you ever want to pay me back, this is a recompense. Just get a bigger heart like the way we have for you. A famous writer once said, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery that mediocrity can pay to greatness. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery that mediocrity can play the greatest. Well, we can't make a better tool, so let's just reverse engineer, you know, one of these American-made tools and, you know, re- you make offshore it and, and just, you know, stamp a different label on it. And, and it's, it's an imitation. And maybe we can do a few cents cheaper, okay? The, I mean, the best way you can repay an honest, selfless leader, do the exact same thing that they do and then someone better. Now, I handle a lot of the missionary letters here in our church. And I, I, I think it would be superfluous. Needless to say that I enjoy reading Rick Martin's letters. I don't know if you have those slides there, gentlemen, but in Rick Martin's prayer letters, you know, people are always getting saved. 
Bible college students are always being trained. You know, new churches are being planted. They're always reaching out into their community. I mean, just, it's just, just to give you a heart of what the Bible college students do at Rick Martin's Bible College. They basically, they work to eat. I mean, we work to pay our house bills. That's how much money we have here in, in the Bay Area, okay? And during Christmas time, which is one of the eatingest times of the year, these Bible college students will literally fast for several days. The money that they should have spent on their groceries, they'll take that and buy gifts for poor people, the blind, the lepers, the deaf. I mean, there's a picture of a man there somewhere in the slides where the man was trying to help other people. He got hit by a vehicle, lost a couple limbs in the process. And it's, it's that picture where he's crying because someone didn't forget him. Because there was a Bible college student who was willing to fast and take that money they would have spent on groceries and instead buy gifts for them. Those little children right there that you see, that's the first toys they, have met, they, they may have ever owned in their entire lives. The lady there in the pink dress and the yellow shirt, she has microcephaly. Microcephaly, small brain, water in the brain. And the Bible college students, they, I believe they fasted just so they could save money for building materials to build her a new house. It's not because they didn't have money, it's because they had large hearts. I mean, I think, good night, I need a heart check after, I mean, I'm ready for an altar call every time I read Terry Unruh's prayer letters or one of Rick Martin's prayer letters like that. Well, you don't understand, Brother Justin, our, our community is very affluent. You don't realize how many people are ready to snap in half because they're so afraid of the virus. And they just need someone to talk with them. Just say, hey, my name's Justin from Shadow Mountain Baptist Church. How can I pray for you and your family? Can, can we keep in touch? What can I do for you this week? Do you realize how many people need to be blessed by the Shadow Mountain Baptist Church if you would just get a larger heart? If you follow the right examples. Now, in all seriousness, beloved, I'm not being paid to say this. Just some observations from my distance and our friendship over the past two years here. I believe that your pastor has a large heart for you. He had nothing to gain when he took the pastor back in 2004 with all the difficulties. And some of you know what I'm talking about, that we're here in the early days. But he stayed here for the past 17 to 18 years because of greatness of heart. Like I said, the average pastor leaves after seven years. They preach week after week. Oh, where is the results? The results are happening within your heart right now. The kingdom of God is within you. That's what Jesus meant. I don't think your pastor's average. The average pastor stays for only seven years. I don't think your pastor's average. I don't think he stayed simply because he's enduring you as long as he can before he can retire from this church so he can get out of ministry as soon as he can and then go play 18 holes and then preach for you every now and then whenever you invite him back. I don't think he's, I don't think he's doing that. I mean, look at, there isn't a perfect or an easy ministry because there are no perfect or, inter- or, or, or easy people. This is not a perfect preacher, okay? But there has to be a bigger driver than just the discipline of showing up in your place week after week. The bigger driver is none other than a bigger heart. Now, you may call it love if you like, but in the modern church, we throw around the word love so often, we don't even know what it means. Oh, babe, I love you. You know, I don't even know how people, I don't even know how people say I love you in, in, in this, in this generation. You know, look at, like I said earlier, Will the love of God in a small heart nourish as many people? What I'm calling upon from the Shadow Mountain Baptist Church is this. The love of God in a big heart. The love of God in a big heart. I didn't see any arguments when I came to church this morning. I mean, I didn't see people hop out. At the Davis Street Walmart where we're at, I've seen people get their parking spots stolen and people put their car in park, hit the parking brake, they jump out, they're ready to start fighting, they're ready to start shooting each other, it's crazy, it's just at the edge of Oakland, that's why it happens, okay, I didn't see anybody happen like that here, I think people are a little bit more loving, a little bit more civil, but look at, we're going to have to have a bigger love in order for us to do greater things in our hearts, through a bigger heart, I'm challenging the Shadow Mountain Baptist Church this morning to follow the right examples, and I want to challenge you, beloved, don't be one of these mediocre Christians. Well, I didn't see brother so-and-so do this, you know, so therefore I'm not doing it. Well, brother, so- brother so-and-so's a hypocrite. He's not, he's not your example, okay? Your example is Jesus Christ. Your example are the people that are doing the right thing in and out of this church. Look, at people always t- follow the, the, the path of least resistance. They follow the worst examples. I mean, 
one pastor falls or one pastor is living a prosperity theologian, but you know, most pastors are not living large. Okay, they're luck- church, if churches break even, they're lucky, man. And, and you know, just look at the, 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 what I'm calling upon this church to do, follow the right examples. You may have had someone that, that disappointed you, okay, but if, if, I took, if I took account of all the people that were disappointing me, I would not even be here. I'd, pro- I'd probably still be a teenage atheist. I mean, an atheist is just someone who's angry at the God, you know, who should have been, you know. But there's a lot of people, they follow the worst examples. I'm challenging you, church, follow the right examples because that's what leadership is. Sprinters, they're not watching the dude who just does nothing. They're watching Hussein Bolt. You know, long-distance runners, they're watching Mohammed Farah. They're watching the best examples. I mean, you're a baller, man. You're watching Michael Jordan. You're watching Steph Curry. You're watching James Harden. Oh, God forbid, LeBron James. Okay, But you're watching the best examples on how a point guard should shoot. I mean, after after practice... Steph Curry still makes 300, 300 three-pointers. What are you going to, I mean, are you, gonna, are you still going to pray even after the church service is done? Are you still going to read your, I mean, that just comes out of a large heart, man. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Number two, on the, on the notes here, I need to hurry up or we're going to be here till midnight. Don't restrict yourself in regards to doing well. Follow the right examples, but don't restrict yourself. Oh, man, but if the Lord does that, how far is that going to set us back? Don't worry, the Lord will more than make you up. Okay. Uh, my wife always my, my wife says, Justin, you have too many tools. And the best part is I didn't even pay <laughs> Brother King, you're just shaking your head. The best part is we didn't we didn't pay full price for it. Some of them can may have come second hand, but some of these I mean look at my you know the, the Lord gave us the things gave us all of our needs and even some of the things that we wanted. I was out running one morning, table saw, ooh, four, 500 bucks, brand new. And then my neighbor picked it up. Hey, Hilda, how much, how much, because my neighbor Hilda, she collects scrap metal. How much you want? For, oh, $20. Brand new with the stamp, $500. And you tell me that God doesn't take care of those who tithe and give offerings? you got to be kidding me. Deals all the time, beloved. Don't restrict yourselves from doing well because you have no idea how much God will make up on your lack. That's what 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is all about. Verse 12, you're not straightening us, but you're straightening your own bowels. Straighten means restricted. For following notes, straighten means restricted. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads into eternal life. And few there be that find it. The Corinthian church had straightened themselves, unfortunately. They put self-imposed restrictions. Bowels is the seat of your emotions. Oh, he's so cute. That's where that's the butterflies in my stomach, okay? That's the same thing for teenage girls, okay? Uh, and some of you teenage boys, okay? Assuming you don't love video games, all right? Uh, but the bowels was the seat of your emotions. It's like, oh, you know, oh, I got to speak. I just got knots in my stomach, okay? So that's why in the Bible you say, oh, my bowels yearn for someone. Bowels, and you think large intestine. No, it's just your, your gut, okay? Uh, when you, when, oh, man, we get to go home and my, my heart skips a beat, okay? Uh, the, if you ever read in the Old Testament, my reins shall rejoice. The reins were in your kidneys, okay? Just they would get really tense in their in their in their latissimus dorsi muscles. But you know, the, your organs have always been associated with the seat of your emotions. The Corinthian church took inventory of everything in the work of God they thought was too risky or too uncomfortable. They said, "Oh, that's that's not for me. That's that's too risky." And they and they backed out. Oh, someone is too risky. Oh, uh, given that's too risky. Oh. Uh, coming to church three services a week, that's too risky. What am I going to do? I'm going to miss the show. Well, miss the show, brother. I mean, you won't remember it, but you'll remember the souls that you want. Even though their leaders escaped and paid an incredible price in those days. I mean, Sosthenes, if you ever read Acts chapter 18, Sosthenes, he was the leader of the synagogue. You find out later he got saved. The dude got beat up. He, he was a fall guy for the apostle Paul. I mean, the Bible says the Greeks took Sosthenes and beat him before the, before the judge's feet. Before the judge, they slandered the church in those days and beat the fire. I mean, Brother Scott, Brother Keen, I hope that you guys are ready to take a take a whooping for Jesus' sake if I ever came to that. So that your pastor can escape. <laughs> hey, Brother Keen, where'd you get those where'd you get that concussion on your forehead? I got it for, you know, for Brother Justin's sake. Hey, Brother Brother Scott, you know, how'd you get that, you know, amputated leg? Well, someone ran over me because I was passing out tracks in the neighborhood. I mean, just hope it doesn't come to that, you know. But I hope that you'll still go out in your wheelchair and deliver tracks. I mean, there's a story of a dude in China. He, he got saved under CT Studs ministry. They beat the fire out of the dude. 
He crawled back into the city where, 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 he, was, where he was preaching. They looked at him like, it would, be kind of, it would be kind of needless to try to beat him because we already beat him up, so just let him preach and see what happens. They don't bother you the second time after you've been beaten. Scorched earth. The fire can't burn where it's already been burned. So you might as well go back to the city where they, to the people who once hated you. There is no restriction so great as a restricted heart. We say, well, maybe it's our budget. No, it's a restricted heart. Look at God will, will take care of our needs. Don't get me wrong about that. I mean, look at it's not about a lack of resources or, or technology. Look at God can work all around those things. The question is, do you have a big heart like the way God wants you to have? I mean, uh, medically speaking, it's not healthy. Uh, we had a, a missionary to Ukraine, Polly Irving, a good soul winner, good teacher. She died from enlarged organs. Just all those years living in Ukraine, never got her health checked out just because she loved the people so much. Very sad. One of our missionaries to, to a restricted access country, uh, Brother Coronel, he's got an enlarged heart. You know, they've had to take a medical furlough back to the Philippines just so you could get treated for that. But spiritually speaking, the healthiest condition you can have, beloved, is an enlarged heart. It, it determines what you will do and what God will do for in and through you. Because nobody has a heart larger than God. His heart is so large that he'd sacrifice Jesus for you and me because he loves you and me that much. His heart is so large that he'd be patient with the Corinthian church. You ever realize how much God loved the Corinthian church? Mess up as it was. I mean, dude living with his, sleeping with his stepmom, members suing each other, people abusing the Lord's table. Okay, rich people in the front. Oh, you poor people, smelly people in the back. Oh, uh, that, oh, Greeks on one side, Jews on the other. I mean, good night. The, the Corinthian church was a mess. And did you know that God loved the Corinthian church? Unlovely as they were, I think he, I, I, I think he's pretty patient with, with, with Shadow Mountain and Heritage at, at that rate. Now, I don't think Shadow Mountain, you're dealing with as deep sin issues as the Corinthian church. But I still think the Lord's heart for you is still large. Hudson Taylor noted, it is not so much the greatness of our troubles as the littleness of our spirit which makes us complain. Oh, it's too heavy. Well, maybe because, not because the weight is so heavy, but maybe because God wants to build within you some bigger squat muscles. E.M. Bounds once said, a prepared heart is much better than a prepared sermon. Because there's a lot of intellectual sermons. They touch your intellect. Your IQ might go up five points. A lot of people say, well, if you're religious, your IQ is going to go, it's going to fall through the floor. Okay. Um, but, you know, I'm not against making you smarter, but I am, I'm more about making you wiser. And the only way we can become wise is through a large heart. He that wins souls is wise. The only limitations that we need to be setting on ourselves, beloved, is on sin and worldliness and carnality and covetousness. Hey, don't watch that. It'll ruin your mind. Hey, don't listen to that. It'll affect your spirit. Hey, don't look at that. It's going to make you covetous. Well, Brother Justin, you don't understand. Uh, uh, we're limited. I don't have all the time and energy. Do you have time and energy and money to miss out on the work of God? It's an invest- This is not an expense. You being here is not an expense on your time. It's an investment from God Almighty. The reason why your pastor wanted you to come to church this morning and hear the preaching of the Word of God was so that you could get an, you could get an investment for a larger heart. You may have to readjust, but every readjustment, it's worthy. Work around the restrictions. Say no to a few more things. If you have an hour-long commute, pray while you're on your commute. If you have an hour-long commute on home, you know, listen to your Bible on audio. It's not the best, but it's better than nothing. Readjust, beloved. You've got to make those sacrifices if God's going to work within you a larger heart, like what we're talking about this morning. Number three, beloved, push the boundaries of your heart with the following practices. Push the boundaries of your heart with the following practices. Number one, if you're not saved, you need to get saved today. If you're not saved, you can't have a large heart. Same chapter, behold, now is the accepted time, now is the day of salvation. Okay. I don't take for granted that this is a biblical Baptist church, that we're conservative. There may be still someone here that is trying to hold out on God after all this time, because you're just waiting and seeing. You're just waiting and seeing. Brother, you will die before you ever learn the entire Bible. You might as well just get saved today. Sister, you might as well just get saved today. Your friends, will, they're kind of uncomfortable with you. 
with the idea of you attending this church, but you might as well just get saved and go in all the way because God will accept you even if they don't. By the way, it's not a true friendship if they can't respect you no matter which side of the political spectrum you're on or whether, whichever side of the church you're sitting in. Beloved, you need to call upon Christ as your Savior, repentance from sin and unbelief, and faith towards God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And you need to get saved and get it settled today, beloved. It, it, well, you don't know, Brother Justin. I prayed the prayer, but I'm not really sure you're saved. Will we look down upon you if you make the right decision? If you make a wise decision, beloved, look at All of heaven will rejoice even though nobody else will. And we will rejoice with you because I believe that this is a biblically minded church. Therefore, if you haven't gotten saved, call upon Christ as you're saved. You're not 100% certain that heaven is your home. Beloved, I beg of you by the mercy of God, get saved today because we don't know when Jesus is coming back. They are already biochipping people in Sweden. And just a generation ago, scientists used to laugh. Huh, how will they know that the two witnesses are ever going to be seen all around the world? People laughed at that verse until satellite TV came into play. Jesus is coming back whether or not you believe it, whether or not you like it. Get saved today, beloved. You cannot have an enlarged heart until you first get saved. And you cannot have a new appetite for for the things of God until you first get saved. As newborn babes, laying aside all envy, guile, malice, hypocrisy, evil speaking with all bitterness, wrath, and clamor, desire the sincere milk of the word. If 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 you got you gotta go and resolve some conflicts today, sister, brother. The reason why you don't have a great desire for the things of God and for the Word of God because you got some issue against some other brother or sister, it's not an issue that will even last for eternity. you got to make that right. It may be awkward. Look at the reason why we're here. The reason why we're here is, hey, Brother Jess, I need to make right with this person in the church. Hey, let me, let, let's talk it over. Let, let's get things right. Look at the reason why Matthew 18 was given was to help resolve conflicts in churches. Now is not the time for the Shadow Mountain Baptist Church to fall apart because a few people with fragile egos and oversized egos and sharp tongues and who don't ever want to get right with God fall, fall apart because of those things. They don't want to get things right with each other. God wants to keep this church together. I believe that with all my heart. And once you resolve that conflict, you'll be able to breathe again. And you'll have a hunger again for the Word of God. Trust me on that. Number two, beloved, strive for God, letter B, strive for God's approval, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. But in all things approving ourselves or standing together with the ministers of God. That word approve means to stand together. Don't be ashamed to identify with this church or your pastor. He's a fixture here. He's been for, for 17, 18 years. Okay? You stand together with giving. You stand together with them in praying. You stand together with them in soul winning. You stand together with them in the discipleship program, helping develop new Christians. You stand together with them for the three services in the week, beloved. That's how you stand together. That's how you approve yourselves with it. Unfortunately, most Christians get to a certain point in their lives and they say, ah, I don't need all that stuff. It'll work. But look at God loves you and me too much to let us stay at that point. There are some things in the approval of God that we have no control over. Okay, whether we're known or unknown. Oh, do they know Justin Fong? Who cares? Okay, do they know Jesus Christ is what really matters? But we have control over whether or not we wear the armor of righteousness, as verse 7 says. Oh, the helmet of salvation, we're good to go. But what about your breastplate of righteousness? Or your boots of the gospel of peace? No marine or soldier ever goes to comment, yeah. I got my rifle, but I think I leave my plate carrier and my helmet behind. Dude, you would never do that. Especially when Al-Qaeda or Al-Nusra or whoever is shooting 100 rounds at you. You'd be like, man, call in the airstrikes. Give me as much armor. Let me hide under a bunker as soon as I can. So put on the whole armor of God. And that means prayer in the Spirit with all supplication and watching as well and using the sword of the Spirit. Those are also the pieces of armor that a lot of Christians forget. The list of approval that Paul mentions here are all disciplines that will enlarge our heart if we partake of all of them. I hope you'll continue in prayer for Brother Fisher. Doug Fisher. Fasted 40 days and nights. Twice. Okay? I believe why God has I believe that God has blessed Lighthouse Baptist Lemon Grove because of a man of God named Doug Fisher who decided to fast and pray for 40 days. But the man of God still needs people to hold his hands up. After his heart attack and stroke and hemorrhaging and Caesar's good night. The, man, the man's had everything. But I think the approval of God is upon that man and in his ministry because of that. Now, you may not fast for 40 days, but maybe you may, you may fast for one day 40 times. I don't know. But, but find a way to get it done, beloved. 
Find a way to get it done. Because you have no idea how much God wants to bless you. I do not agree with Ronnie Floyd, ex-Southern Baptist, pre- Southern Baptist president, with his compromise. I do not agree with Bill Bright, founder of Campus Crusade, now Crew Ministries, compromise. But I believe that God blessed these men because of their fast for 40 days. I don't agree with T.L. Lowry's Pentecostalism, but I believe that God blessed the man because he fasted for 40 days and nights. What are you going to give for God, beloved? Take a, look, take a long, hard look at that list. What does God want to develop in you? One at a time. A day at a time. People want to be known, but for all the wrong reasons. It's time that we let God approve us for all the right reasons. And thirdly, separate yourself unto God, beloved. You're going to have to separate yourself unto God. Huh, should I not hang out with this worldly friend? Should I not join this church? A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. If you can't figure out what to do there... You may have problems. It's gonna. It's gonna affect how you how you do your work. It's gonna affect what you do for your finances. It's gonna affect whether or not you decide to stay in California. Only Christians can make California Christians again, Christian again. And if you move out of the state, who's gonna make the state Christian? I know some of you are watching your investment. Man, it's hard to run a business here. Look at God will take care of His own. The children of Israel survived under Egypt. I think we can survive in California too. It's sad that the only facet of Second Corinthians six is seen in verses 14 through 18 that most people ever look at. You know, be not conformed to this world. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, okay? That's just one of the steps, beloved. It's not just getting. It's not just about getting away from evil. It's about getting away unto God. Don't just get out of sin, because look, if you just get out of sin, you may take up a new idolatry. I, I spoke about coetus. I mean, look at... Don't just get away from sin because you may take up a new hobby that may take you out take, that may take you out on Sunday and Wednesday night. What I'm talking about is this, beloved: get separated unto Jesus Christ. Is what I'm talking about. It's hard to have a big heart for God when we're messing around with worldliness. I'm not against vacation. Take a vacation. I just came back from one, but be careful of the vacation. I've also noticed that when I come back from vacation, spiritually, even after having read my Bible and prayed, I'm still kind of disoriented for about a day and a half there because I'm out of my usual routine. The average place of so many worldly attractions by the time most Christians come back from, from a trip or whatever like that, we need a spiritual detox just to get our hearts right. Now, I'm not saying don't have fun with your family, okay? Go to the beach, you know, go swimming, whatever like that, okay? Uh, go out and eat, whatever, okay? But make sure that you keep yourself separate under Jesus Christ so you don't ruin your influence, so you don't hurt the largest of your heart. Because look at because iniquity shall abound, the love of money shall wax cold. And because so many people are distracted, their hearts shrink. Their hearts really do shrink. Well, I can't do that for people because I'm too busy doing that. Okay? And this is, well after they're, they're, this is well after they're not on vacation. If you knew how much your heart would shrink if you were going to get involved in sin, you wouldn't, you wouldn't hang around with the stuff that you do or, or watch the stuff that you do. All I'm asking you and begging you, church, this morning is this. To keep your hearts large for the things of Christ Jesus. Follow the right examples. Don't restrict yourself when the Bible and the Holy Ghost move you to do so. And let's take these necessary steps for spiritual heart enlargement. Let's all stand. If we could, please bow our heads and close our, close our eyes in a word of prayer here. How many of you with your heads bowed and your eyes closed with a raise of hands and say, Brother Justin, I'm 100% sure I'm going to heaven. I remember the day and time and place I trusted Christ as my Savior. I know that when I die, I'm going to be in heaven with God. If that's your testimony, go ahead and raise your hand. I know that Christ is my Savior. I know I'm going to heaven someday because I placed my faith in Okay, go, go ahead and put your hands down. Now this next question, I'm not asking it because I'm trying to shame you. But because we really do care for you. Someone invited you because they love you so much. Or you've been struggling, you've been sitting here in church for however many years, days, weeks, months. You're not sure that heaven would be your home after this life. You don't know where you'd spend eternity. You hope it's heaven, but you're not really certain. You say, Brother Justin, I am not 100% certain that heaven would be my home after this life. But I want someone to pray with me or explain with me how I can get to heaven after this life. If that's your testimony, would you raise your hand? Nobody will shame you. Nobody's looking around. Brother Justin, I am not 100% certain that heaven's my home. 
I don't know if I'm going to heaven after this life. If there are any, any take, if, if that's your testimony, go ahead and raise your hand. Church, I believe all of us need God to enlarge our hearts. If you would say, Brother Justin, I believe God wants to enlarge my heart. I, need, I believe that I need God to stretch my heart in various areas. But I'm afraid, and I'm not really sure what God's going to require of me, but I, I, need, I need help with that. Brother Justin, would you pray for me? Would you go ahead and raise your hand if that's your testimony this morning? Go ahead and raise your hands. Okay. If that was your testimony, I want to invite you, beloved, I would invite you to come to the front and seal that decision at the altar. I would invite you to come now, if, if you would. Let's pray, let's pray for, that, for that surrender at the altar, if that's your testimony. Brother Justin, I, I, I need God for me to have an enlarged heart. Why don't you go ahead and come to the front? You say, well, Brother Justin, it's a long walk. I can't really kneel. Okay, well, do what you can. Well, let's surrender unto the Lord. And let's see what God will do. Because God wants to create within you and me a large heart, beloved. Take as long as you want, beloved. I'm in no hurry.